Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, and we're going to go to the bloodiest book in the Bible. The Bible is a bloody book, but there's one particular book in the Bible that is really bloody, and it's the book of Leviticus. So I want you to go with me, if you would, today to Leviticus chapter 8. And then I also want you to mark, maybe with a thumb or a finger, mark Leviticus chapter 14. And I know what some of you are thinking that have read the book of Leviticus. You're thinking, really? Is there anything in Leviticus you can actually preach from? Well, there is. And we're going to see that this morning. We're still in this series called Power in the Blood. And I started this series a couple of weeks ago with a message entitled, The Redeeming Blood of Jesus. And then last week, the title of the message was, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. And we talked about that the blood of Jesus is sacred blood that became shed blood, that became saving blood, that became shared blood. Today, as I shared with you last week that I was going to do, today I want to talk to you about the blood and the oil. Now, we know oil and water might not mix, but blood and oil does. Blood and oil does mix, and we're going to see that mixture of blood and oil in the Scriptures today. But before we can go forward with the message today, we got to go back to the book of Leviticus. And in Leviticus chapter 8, we find that Moses is ordaining the priests of God, Aaron and his sons, to minister in the tabernacle as priests before God. And so what we read about in Leviticus chapter 8 is that ordination ceremony, when these priests are being ordained to serve for the glory of God and for the benefit and for the blessing of the people. And there was one particular ram that was to have been offered as a sacrifice, and it was called the ordination ram. And we read about that here in Leviticus chapter 8. Now, I really want you to stay with me today because we're going somewhere. And I think when we get there, that you're going to be happy, that you're going to be rejoicing. Uh, At least first service did, man. We had a move of God in the first service. God really showed up. But notice what it says here in Leviticus chapter 8 at this ordination ceremony. It says that Moses, everybody say Moses. Moses is a type and a picture in the Old Testament of Jesus in the New Testament. Just as Moses was the one who led the children of Israel out of the world, which is Egypt, out of bondage into their promised land, Jesus does the same for you and I that will allow him to do it. That he brings us out of our bondage to sin into our promised land, into living as sons and daughters of God. And so Moses is the one here that is ordaining Aaron and his sons. And it says that Moses slaughtered the ordination, ordination ram and he took some of its blood And notice where he put some of the blood. It says that he put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe 
of his right foot. And then it goes on to the next verse and says that Moses also brought Aaron's sons forward and put some of the blood of that ordination ram on the lobes of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. So two questions, why these appendages and why the right side? Well, let's answer the second question first. The right side, because in scripture, the right side is the side of strength. It's the side of power. Now, you left-handed people don't get offended at me this morning. That's just how the Bible identifies the right side. The Bible also tells us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So it's the side of power. It's the side of strength. It's, it, it's the side of, uh, of, of the anointing, I guess you could say. And then notice it says here that he anointed three appendages with blood. It says the lobes of their right ears, the thumbs of their right hands, and the big toes of their right feet. Um, and, and when we look at this, it's basically him giving us in part what what is actually is covered in whole. Uh, the lobe of the ear is the entire ear. He's talking about the entire ear. When he talks about the thumb, he's talking about the entire hand. And when he talks about the toe, he's talking about the big toe because the thumb is the head of the hand and the big toe is the head of the foot. And, and, and he puts the blood of the ordination of the, 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 the ordination ram on Aaron and his sons, puts it on the lobe of the right ear, the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot. Why? Because as priests ministering before the Lord, they are committing and dedicating themselves to say, we will hear the word of God, we will do what God tells us to do, and we will go where it is that God wants us to go. They dedicated, they consecrated their hearing to God, their hand to God, their foot to God. We're going to hear from God, we're going to work for God, and we're going to go where it is that God wants us to go. Now, I want you to keep that in mind now as we go to Leviticus chapter 14. And in Leviticus chapter 14, here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the ceremony for the cleansing of a leper. The ceremony for the cleansing of a leper. Now, let me tell you why this is important. It's important because leprosy in Scripture is a picture or a type of sin in our lives. That just as leprosy spreads, so can sin spread. And just as leprosy defiles, if somebody touches someone that has leprosy, just as it defiles, so does sin defile. And just as leprosy would isolate and separate, so does sin isolate and separate you and I from God. And so when a person was examined and diagnosed to have leprosy in the Old Testament, they were immediately made to leave. They, were, they had to go outside the camp because they were unclean, because they were defiled. And now they are isolated and they are separated from the rest of the people. Now here's what's interesting. When you study those that were diagnosed with leprosy, if they were to get out or if a family member wanted to see them or talk to them, they had to make sure, get this, this is very relevant for the day and time that we're living in right now. They had to make sure that they maintained a safe distance of six feet. They had to be six feet away 
at least from the leper. How many of you have been feeling like a leper lately in this pandemic that we've been in of having to keep that six feet of social distancing? But that was what was required of lepers. And then lepers were also required to be in quarantine until they could be examined and declared clean by the priest. So we have leprosy that represents sin, and we have a leper that represents sinners. That's very important for you and I to understand as we move forward. Now, when a leper felt that they had been cured or healed of leprosy, there were a number of things that they had to do. And, and, and again, this is important because of where we're going this morning. But a few things that they had to do. First of all, they had to call for the priest to come to them and examine them. They could not go to where the priest was. Remember this. They couldn't go to where the priest was. The priest had to come to them. And the priest would examine them. And if the priest, after examining them, saw that they were, they were clean, he could declare them clean. And if somebody were to ask them, well, why or what makes you think you're clean? He would have responded or she would have responded by saying, well, the priest told me that I'm clean. Uh, yeah. You see, when you come to Jesus Christ and you appropriate what he did at the cross, then and somebody says, well, how do you know that you're saved? You can say, well, I know I'm saved because the word of God tells me I'm saved. And, and, and the priest would declare them after examining them, the priest would declare them either clean or unclean. And if they were clean, then they could begin the process uh, of once again reconnecting back to uh, society. And, and, and here's what they had to do. After the priest had declared them clean, they then, ha they then had to bring to the priest two birds. Two birds. And this is so important. One of the birds would be a sacrificial bird, and the other bird would be allowed to go free. But here's what's interesting. The bird that was sacrificed had to be held over a pot made out of clay, a vessel made out of clay. And that vessel that was made out of clay had to have living water in the vessel. That means it had to be water that flowed from either a river or water that flowed from a stream. Stay with me now. Stay with me. Don't, don't, don't abandon me because we're going somewhere. And so there was this clay pot with living water in it, and they would take the sacrificial bird, and they would hold the sacrificial bird over that clay vessel that had water in it, and they would drain the blood of that bird into that clay pot that had water so that now water and blood are mixed. Now, here's what that is a picture, because you see in the Old Testament, there's a lot of different pictures and types and symbols. And what's that a that, that, that's a picture of is this. It's a picture of Christ who gave his life for you and for me. Because the bird came from where? The bird came from the heavens. Where did Jesus come from? Jesus came from the heavens. And what did he do? He entered into the vessel of clay. He entered into a human body. And the Bible said that when he sacrificed his life, that he did it in the eternal power of the Holy Spirit, which is represented by the living water that was in that clay vessel. I'm telling you, we are going somewhere today. And then after that one bird was sacrificed and also included in this ceremony was cedar wood, hyssop, 
and a scarlet cord. And all three of those, if you go to the New Testament, are associated with the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what that bird, that sacrificial bird is a picture of, it's a picture of Jesus dying for your sins and my sins. But remember, there was a second bird. And that second bird was then, after the first bird was second was sacrificed, the live bird was then taken and dipped in that water and blood and then allowed to fly away free. Because you see, Jesus died so that you and I could go free. Jesus died so that you and I could be saved and healed and delivered. And that's what was represented in those two birds. And so after the leper has been declared clean, he had to bring the two birds. And then there was a third thing that that leper had to do. This is all still outside the camp. The leper had to shave all the hair off of his body, had to wash himself with water, wash himself with water, and he also had to wash his clothes, his garments. And then he had to go back into quarantine for seven more days. And at the end of that seven days, he was allowed to come back out and he had to go through that last ritual over again. He had to shave all the hair off of his body and he had to wash his body with water and he had to wash his garments. Now remember, we're past the seven days of quarantine. He's come out, it's now the eighth day. Do you know what the number eight represents in scripture? It represents new beginnings. And for this leper, this was a new beginning in his life. That's why he had to shave off all the hair. That's why his body had to be like the body of a baby. It was because it was like he was being born for the very first time, that he was being born again, that he was being given a new lease on life, that what was dead has now come back to life. So it represented a new beginning for him when he would wash himself and shave the hair off of his body. But then it says also that he had to wash his garments before he could put those clothes on because he had to put on new clean clothes. And isn't that what Paul talks about in the New Testament? That when we come to Christ, we've got to take off those filthy garments of sin and unrighteousness so that we can be clothed in the robes of righteousness that comes along with our redemption and our salvation. And then on that eighth day, he had to do something else. This leper did. He had to bring to the priest at the door of the tabernacle, he had to bring two male lambs and one female lamb. The two male lambs would be used for a trespass offering and for a burnt offering. The female lamb that had to be less than a year and without spot and blemish would be used for the sin offering. And what we see in those three offerings is we see the person and work of Jesus Christ because the sin offering is Jesus shedding his blood for the remission of your sins and my sins, for the redemption of your sins and my sins. And then there was a guilt or a trespass offering that was an offering of gratitude that said that because somebody else paid my debt, I will not suffer the consequences. For the wages of sin is death, 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Somebody else paid my debt, and I should be grateful that I'm not having to suffer the consequences of that now in my own life because somebody paid the debt for me. So that's the sin offering and the trespass offering. And then there was a third offering, the burnt offering. Now, if it was a guilt offering or a sin offering, sometimes the priest would be allowed to take a chicken leg home or a leg of lamb home as his portion. But when it come to a burnt offering, nobody took anything away. It was an offering that was completely consumed by God. And what that offering represented is that Jesus gave himself completely for your redemption and for my redemption. And that you and I, when we come to Christ because of the blood, that you and I are to commit and we are to dedicate our lives to him. We leave nothing for ourselves We give it all to God. All of it dedicated to Him. All of it committed to Him. But then notice, when the priest would offer the ram for the trespass offering, notice what he would do. Leviticus 14, 14. It says that the priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt or the trespass offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear. Now notice we're not talking about the priest anymore. We're now talking about a leper who has been cleansed. And can I tell you what blesses me about this? Is God treats a former leper like he is now a priest. Mm, Somebody missed a good chance to shout right there. Somebody missed a good, good chance to say amen right there. Because you and I need to understand that we were once lepers. We were once separated and isolated because of our sin. We were once defiled because of sin. We were once one of those that if had not been for Jesus, the sin in our life could have spread to others and not just destroyed us, but could have destroyed them. But notice, Jesus, God, he treats this former leper like he's a priest. And when you come to Christ, let me tell you what God does. He doesn't treat you like a leper anymore. He doesn't treat you like a sinner anymore. He treats you like the priest that you are. And and notice what they do with this leper. They put blood on the lobe of his right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right Foot. Notice, just as with the priest, the blood was applied to the ear. The blood was applied to the hand. The blood was applied to the foot. Why? Because that leper needs to understand that there is now a special calling on his life and that he needs to commit himself from this point on to hearing the word of God and doing what the word of God says and walking in the ways of the Lord. But notice that something happens with the former leper that did not happen with the priest because it says the priest 
shall then take some of the log of oil, pour it in the palm of his own left hand, dip his right forefinger into the oil in his palm, and with his finger sprinkle some of it before the Lord seven times. And the priest, now this is not what happened to the priest. This only happens with the leper, the former leper. The priest is to put some of the oil remaining in his palm on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed, on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. Notice that for the former leper, there wasn't just blood applied to the ear, the hand, and the foot. There was also oil that was applied to the ear, the hand, and the foot. Why? Because you are now consecrating these appendages and the Spirit of God is quickening them so that now you don't just hear the Word of God, you understand the Word of God. And so now that you understand the Word of God, not only are you commanded to do the work of God, but now you have the anointing. Now you have the power. You see, the blood of Jesus represents our redemption, but the oil that's being applied here, it represents represents the anointing. It represents the power. It, it, it represents the strength that the Holy Spirit brings to help us do what it is that God has called us to do, to help us hear and to understand his word, to help us be about what it is that he has called us to do so that we can do it well, and to make sure that we only go, that we are anointed in our steps to go where God has commanded us to go and to do what it is that God God has commanded us to do and to be who it is. And God has not just given us the redemptive blood we need, but he's also given us the oil, all the power and the anointing that we need. Is anybody getting this this morning? But I want you to notice it says that the oil was applied on top of the blood. The oil was not directly applied to the flesh of man. The oil was applied to the blood. Why? Because the Holy Spirit cannot go where the blood has not already been. Oh, you just missed another good opportunity right there to have a good shout. Now you say, well, what does this, what does this mean? Let, let, let's go into the New Testament. Let, let me see if I can just kind of bring this home for you. Because I believe that we see an example here in Luke chapter 10 in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I'm not saying that in this parable that the man that's laying in the middle of the road is a leper, but I am telling you that the man laying in the middle of the road of this parable is unclean, like a leper. And notice how the parable goes. On one occasion, an expert in the law, now this guy's probably a Levite because Levites were experts in the law. And he, this expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Mm, that's something you just don't want to do. You don't want to think you can back Jesus into a corner with your hard questions. But he was testing Jesus and said, teacher, what must I do? to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said, you're the expert in the law. What's written in the law? He said, how do you read it? And the man responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And notice what he says there. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this smart aleck, sarcastic expert in the law responds back to Jesus, or Jesus responds to him and says, you've answered correctly. If you'll do this, you will live. And, and, and he answered back and he said, trying to justify himself, well, who's my neighbor? Now, what Jesus is going to do in this parable is he's going to flip it around on the guy. Because Jesus is not going to answer the question, who is my neighbor? But he's going to ask the question, who was neighbor? to the person in need. You see, it's not about who is my neighbor. The question is, am I gonna be a neighbor to somebody who is in need? And, and, and so Jesus starts with this parable. In reply, Jesus said that a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there, but the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is a steep decline. It goes down about 3,200 feet from the time you leave Jerusalem until the time you get to Jericho. You're leaving Jerusalem, which is symbolic of the presence of God, and going to Jericho near the Dead Sea where there's no life whatsoever. And it's called the bloody way. And the reason why it's called the bloody way is because it was a road where a lot of robbers and thieves had the perfect place to hide so that when you would come walking down that road, they could ambush you at a second's notice. And so notice what happens. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, let me tell you what some Bible scholars believe, and I tend to agree, that this is a picture of Adam and what happened to Adam. That God created Adam and Eve. He put them in the Garden of Eden, told them not to eat from the tree. They disobeyed God. They ate from the tree, and from that moment, sin entered the human race. It was like they fell to an ambush of Satan whose purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we'll, we'll, we'll look at how that becomes more clear as we go. Because it says that this man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And they did three things. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. The New King James says they wounded him and went away leaving him half dead. Now if that's not a description of Adam, I don't know what is. Because when Adam sinned, we then entered under a threefold curse of the law, which is poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Stay with me. Notice, they stripped him of his raiment, poverty. They wounded him, sickness. And they left him half dead. When Adam sinned, God told him, he said, if you sin, you will die. Well, we know that he didn't die a physical death, but he did die a spiritual death. So he was half dead. And, and, and also, you and I, we need to see ourselves in this parable. Because this is who you and I were before we met Christ. 
You and I had failed among the thief who came to steal and to kill and destroy and left us bloody and wounded and half dead on the side of the road. But notice what happens. It says that a priest happened to be going down that same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Have you ever wondered why the priests passed by on the other side? Well, the priest here represents that sacrificial system of the Old Testament, those blood sacrifices. He would have also known that if you touch anything unclean, then you yourself are defiled and you yourself would become unclean. And when he saw that man in the middle of the road, he didn't know if he was dead or alive. All he saw was a body covered in blood and he didn't want to touch something unclean because how inconvenient would that be? Then he's going to have to go through seven days days of cleansing. He's going to have to go into quarantine. He won't be able to fulfill his duties in the temple that God had assigned him to do as a priest. And so he passes by on the other side. But then notice what happens. Then a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. I believe the Levite here, as we said, he's an expert in the law. So he represents the law. And he would have known that in the law, you don't touch anything unclean. And again, he didn't want the inconvenience of seven days of quarantine and having to go through that whole process of being cleansed because you've been defiled by touching something unclean. But not only that, think about this. That priest representing the sacrificial system of blood sacrifices and that priest who represents being an expert in the law. You and I need to know that there was not enough blood of bulls and goats that could remove our sin. And it doesn't matter. You can keep the law to the T, but the law does not save you. So what you need to understand is what the priest had to offer and what the Levite had to offer is not what you need to redeem you you just missed another good opportunity to shout amen but notice what happens but a Samaritan I believe the Samaritan in this parable represents Christ says but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was Do you remember what the priest had to do in the Old Testament? The priest had to go where the leper was outside the camp because the leper was not allowed to come back into the camp as long as he had leprosy. So the priest had to go to where the leper was. I'm so thankful today that Jesus loved me enough that even though I was like a leper, even though I was unclean, even though I had the stain of sin all over me and the stink of sin all over me, Jesus came right where I was and Jesus was able to do what the priest and what the Levite was not able to do. Somebody ought to shout glory in this room this morning. And notice what it says. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Oh, and this is where it gets really good. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds. And what did he pour on? He poured on oil and wine. 
Wine represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for the redemption of our sins. Oil represents the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Samaritan do? He doesn't just pour on the blood. He also pours on the oil because not only have we been redeemed, but we also have the power. We also have the anointing that we need to be the priests and the kings that God has called us to be in his kingdom. Somebody, somebody shout amen. He poured on, not in, he poured on. Just like the priests would do to the leper, putting on oil and blood. He poured on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. Do you know what I think that donkey represents? I think that donkey represents the grace of God because the grace of God gets me where I can't go by myself. Hallelujah. And he knew this man couldn't get to where he needed to go. And so he extended his grace. He put him on his own donkey. And then notice what he did. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. You should know what the inn represents there. It represents the church because once he reaches out and cleanses a leper with his blood and anoints a leper with the Holy Spirit, he then places them into the body of Christ where we're supposed to take care of them and where we're supposed to help them become everything God's created them become and to do everything that God has created them to do, to help them grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I'm going to have church in here all by myself if I have to. There's power in the blood of Jesus and there's power in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Took him to an end and took care of him and the next day he took out two denarii. One denarii is a day's wage. He took out two denarii, so he's basically been saying, I'm going to be gone at least two days. And he gave them to the innkeeper. You know who the innkeeper, I think, represents here? The Holy Ghost. Because when Jesus left, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another helper. So he puts us in the church, and he turns us over to the Holy Ghost. And he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Oh, could it be? Now, listen, I don't have any scripture to prove this, but it preaches good. That when he gave them two denarii and said, I'm going to be gone for two days. The Bible says that a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. Could there be some kind of a prophetic statement in that? That Jesus might have been saying, I'm going to be gone at least 2,000 years. And you know what? He's been gone a little bit over 2,000 years. I believe we are getting close to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes back, he's going to settle the score. And then notice what happens in verse 36. Now, Jesus, now, which of these three do you think was neighbor? Not who is your neighbor. Who do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Was it the Levite? Was it the priest? Or was it the Samaritan? Here's what he said. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy mercy on him and Jesus looked at him and said go and do thou likewise 
the one who had mercy. And as I was preparing this message this week, I was so blessed at how scriptures just begin to come together. I love the way that the word of God interprets itself because in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Here's what Peter said. He said, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot and without blemish. But don't stop reading there. That's what he says about our redemption in chapter one. But then we go back to chapter two of first Peter and listen to what he says. He says, now you are a chosen people. You are a a royal priesthood. You see, he treats these former lepers like they're priests now. He treats these former lepers like they're kings. And notice he said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And no, I shouted in my own office when I got to this next passage of scripture. Once you were not a people but now you are the people of God once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy if it were not for the mercy of God you and I would still be in the middle of that road if it were not for the mercy of God you and I would still be outside of the camp isolated and separated from God but the one who had mercy on us doesn't treat us like a leper anymore he's anointed my ear, my hand, my feet. I belong to him, hallelujah. I'm a priest and a king before God because of the mercy of God. Oh, hallelujah. Now you have received mercy. That's why Paul the apostle says, therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, present, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Because you see that former leper, when the blood and the oil was applied to the ear, the hand and the foot, would have known there was no cure for leprosy. And anytime somebody was healed or cured from leprosy in the Old Testament, it was considered a gift of God's grace and mercy. Here's what Paul said. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your ears. Glorify God with your hands. Glorify God with your feet. Glorify God by what you allow to pass through the channel of your hearing. Glorify God by being careful what you put your hand to do.
and where you allow your feet to go. Because you see, in view of God's mercy, because you've been bought with a price and you are not your own, these ears are not my ears. They're His ears. And these hands are not my hands. They're His hands. And these feet are not my feet. They're His feet. They belong to Him. He bought me with His blood. He anointed me with His Holy Spirit. I am not my own. I belong to Him. And I am who I am. And I'll do what I do because of the mercy, the mercy, the mercy, the mercy of God. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.